Greetings, friends, and welcome to the Gospel Underground Podcast. This is episode 45, Lifelong Learning. I'm broadcasting live, well, live for me from the Power of Change Worldwide Shedquarters here in Blacksburg, Virginia. My good friend and co-host Jesse Fury is doing sermon preparations today. He is uh, being the preacher man this Sunday. Uh, he's going to literally take us to church. Uh, I'm a member of the church where Jesse is one of our elder pastors, and he will be teaching us from the book of Romans. So he's, he is getting his books and his study and his prayer and getting that sermon prep on today. So I'm here solo in the shed quarters with just a little bit of love for you. It is sunny and 70 degrees here in Blacksburg. And I tell you what, the shed quarters is kind of in my backyard. And man, I can just look out the doors and see the beauty that God has made, except for the guy cutting the grass. I don't know if you can hear that or not, or if my microphone is successfully shielding you from that noise. I think it is. All is going pretty well for me today. I'm pretty encouraged, uh, except for a little cauliflower ear flare-up. I've got a little point on the on my right ear for my wrestling career that when my son grabs me now and bangs around with me a little bit, gets a little bloody, a little flare-up, a little pointy elf ear kind of action, and it's actually getting crunched a little bit by my headphones for the podcast. So I'm going to have to build up the right side of these headgear. That's an inside wrestling joke for people out there. To get a little pressure off the ear today, but today's topic I'm pretty stoked about. Lifelong learning. I want to be a learner of things. Uh, this flows from my recent experience of being away for a week at seminary. Yes, seminary. I've been doing some sort of theological education off and on in various blocks of time for 19 years, friends. I'm hoping to actually uh, graduate with the 20-year MDiv. I'm getting a Master's of Divinity in Applied Apologetics. And my studies and my master's are about coming to an end. I just have one class of Hebrew left, and I have to get some supervised ministry experience. I just want to write a check for that class, but I think I'll have to do something. Maybe the podcast will count. I don't know. Um, but that's all I have left, man. So I, I'm almost finished. I just finished up a week. I stayed with my good friend, Dr. Greg Allison, who's a professor of systematic theology there at Southern Seminary. And always just a pleasure uh, to be with him. We ate some good sushi for lunch one day. I found that good hot chicken there in Louisville from uh, Joella's. Man, they don't have sushi and chicken like that here in Blacksburg. But it was a great class, intercultural communications. Pretty interesting, actually. A lot on culture. Uh, and obviously the the underground here, we are a dialogue taking place in the borderlands, right, between the church and culture. So very relevant class there talking about how do we speak to people cross-culturally. So, man, I coming back from that thinking how, yeah, it's been a little bit difficult working full-time in various ministry capacities, pastoring, church planting, network leadership, and such, and keeping kind of on the side a master's degree uh, kind of cooking. I had a few friends that pr- made me promise not to be a, an empty school dropout. So I didn't drop out. I finished. I kept my promises to a few friends to get done. So there's some benefits, right, of going away for master's degree or Ph.D. work for a couple of years, knocking it out and getting done. Most of those benefits, I think, from being in context with other people studying and building those kinds of friendships as you go. But I think I want to advocate today, not for the path that I've taken, but simply being a lifelong learner of things, right? Okay. Uh, but before we get to that, uh, we are going to hit up a little book review-ish. That's right. I'm going to share a little bit about a book that I read last week for a seminary class called Christ and Culture Revisited by Donald Carson, D.A. Carson, uh, professor of Emeritus New Testament at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School in Deerfield, Illinois. 
fantastic book. It's an interesting book because it's a review of another book. So when writing a review, I was like, hey, I'm reviewing a review of another book. Uh, obviously, there was a book called Christ in Culture. If you guys remember back to our uh, our Borderlands episode, uh, Living in the Fogs of Culture, Jesse and I talked quite a bit about the relationship between Christ and culture, and much of that dialogue in the English-speaking world in the last uh, you know, half a century or a little bit more, actually, was influenced by this book called Christ and Culture in 1951 by H. Richard Niebuhr, where he puts out several categories uh, you know, of the ways that Christian people or Christian societies or churches relate to the culture. And so he has you know, Christ against culture, the separatists, you know, the monks, and a Tertullian of Carthage was one that was mentioned. He, he has another view, the Christ of culture. Uh, that's kind of just like becoming the world. It's not a good plan. Uh, Christ and culture and paradox, that was kind of a two kingdoms view, that like, kind of Lutheranism, hey, these two worlds, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of man are kind of here together, you know, but they're different, but we till the, till the end we're kind of stuck with it. Christ above culture, which dealt with what I would call Christendom, you know, that Jesus and his church kind of creates and shapes the culture top down. He mentioned Thomas Aquinas, the, the great uh, Roman Catholic synthesis uh, uh, from France, from Europe, uh, as an example. And then finally, tr- uh, Christ as transformer of culture. And he had um, Augustine and Calvin, uh, John Calvin, as well as a universalist named Maurice that he kind of put forth as Uh, Hey, how does the church transform or change the culture uh, over time? And so Carson's review was uh, kind, but he was uh, very clear that uh, this kind of strict categorization doesn't give us the flexibility we need to think about what these borderlands uh, between the church and culture. And so he wasn't a real big fan of Niebuhr's use of the Bible, obviously, but also uh, had issue with um, not using the big story uh, in the canon of biblical theology, the big, sweet creation, fall, redemption, restoration to actually shape uh, what we think about the world today. And it's the task of every uh, Christian community in every culture is to think about the distinctiveness of what it means to be a follower of Jesus amidst, right, being part of a culture. Never escape it, right? I'm speaking English. I'm using technology. We're on a podcast. It's a very cultural thing. Uh, but yet there's a distinctiveness to the people of God shaped by the gospel that we must maintain. And in the book, he has some really good challenges to some things that we maybe cherish in American culture, like democracy, freedom, and the use of power, and how the good news of Jesus Christ, the biblical storyline, might call those into question. And certainly he has a whole chapter on the interaction of church and state. I will save that for you. Highly recommended uh, D.A. Carson's Christ and Culture Revisited. I will put up for you on uh, the show notes here uh, the more lengthy book review that I wrote of that volume. Well, today, lifelong learning, continuing education, or as I've been jokingly referring to comedian Brian Regan uh, in one of his bits, who said, I want to be a learner of things, right? Continuing education. I'm just a huge advocate to this. One of the things that Casey and I, have really, really tried to do as best we can. Obviously, we make mistakes as parents. We don't think do things as perfectly as we want. And certainly, if you're an idealist, like sometimes I can be, uh, I always see where I fall short in what we are doing with our children or parenting or our home. But we've really sought to, um, in partnership with the church, with the schools, as well as our own uh, our own life patterns 
to instill upon our kids a desire to be learners, to love questions, to love learning things, both formally and informally. So I just wanted to take a couple minutes today. This is not going to be a long episode uh, of the underground to just exhort and encourage all y'all out there, undergrounders, uh, to, to really to love learning, to love learning things, right? Um, certainly when we meet people who are w- what we would call well-read <laughs> or, or in culture, well-cultured, um, they're, they're interesting to us, right? Because they have a broad understanding of various parts of knowledge of God's world. Obviously, uh, none of us can know all things about all things. We, we only know a tiny little bit about a few little things, uh, compared certainly to the vast knowledge of God or that great scholar, Norman Einstein, uh, that, uh, Joe Theisen once called him on uh, TV. Um, we're not smart, uh, but we can learn. Uh, we can't learn everything, but we can know uh, deeply about some things. And I think there are many pathways to doing that in our lives. Obviously, there's formal education. So if you're a young person out there listening to this, uh, man, take school seriously. Don't don't get, uh, if you're in high school and someone's calling you a tryhard, man, just say, yep, I'm trying hard, man. I'm trying to learn some things. Take advantage of your teachers. Interact with them. Uh, know what's being talked about in the class. Engage with it critically. Uh, not everything taught in, sco- in schools, right, is, is, is true. Sorry to say that. Uh, learn how to integrate, if you're a follower of Jesus, your faith with the various disciplines of human knowledge uh, that are out there. Certainly college certainly is a, a wonderful time to do that. Higher education, master's degree. Uh, many many universities uh, and community colleges will just let you jump in and take classes. I remember years ago, uh, I believe it was 2001, um, I took some of the philo- history of philosophy classes here at Virginia Tech. Just undergraduate classes, I jumped in ancient Greek philosophy. I jumped uh, into medieval philosophy where I read St. Augustine of Hippo in Source for the first time. Amazing. Hey, uh, secular school, have you read Augustine? It was amazing. Aquinas as well. Um, you can just jump in and take classes, community college, if you have a subject that you're interested about, anything. If you want to learn about basics of artificial intelligence and what kind of uh, microprocessors are used and are best used for that and how a, uh, a graphical processing unit might come to bear on certain data sets, jump in a class and learn about that stuff. You can uh, certainly do that. Seminaries, theological education, many of them offer shorter degrees, certificates, external and online opportunities. Most of my seminary uh, sojourn has been through um, what uh, the seminary I attend, Southern Seminary, they call J terms, January, June, July. They're either in the winter break or the summer where they're very intensive courses. They're kind of a pain, man. They're, they're, they're really helpful. You get them knocked out, but you're literally in class from like 8 a.m. to 5.30 every day. And then you go straight, eat food, and then like read books and do homework all night and take exams. I mean, it's literally a whole semester jammed into a week. It's it's pretty, it's it makes you cross-eyed in the end of things. But those those kind of opportunities, online class, I finally took a couple online courses. Um, I took uh, Greek, Introduction to Greek, uh, New Testament Greek, as well as Greek exegetical work from uh, Rob Plummer, online courses, video, as well as with guided online technology. Fantastic stuff. Fantastic stuff. There are... Many ways you continue can continue informal education uh, from time to time. Maybe your church is offering some certain classes in uh, you know how to study the Bible or theological reflection or how to be a good dad. Those kind of things are wonderful, more formal opportunities uh, to take advantage of. 
But in our day and age, uh, lifelong learning uh, is a way of thinking, a way of life, a manner, a way of being, I would like to say, a flow in life, right? Where you learn to love books, right? Learn to read every day, learn to pursue good content, right? That is available now through the amazing information overload that we live in. And so I'm just going to throw out some informal recommendations, um, Books, there's always good book review sites, Goodreads, New York Times review of books. Um, I like following the the Westminster uh, Theological Seminary. When they're putting out new books, Crossway, publishers you might like. Um, Knowing people, there's a really good way to use social media. If you know certain people on Twitter actually know what they're talking about, it's great to follow those people because they're going to put you onto good books, good resources, good websites to read, good video content to read, good audio. Um, if if you don't know that the person knows what they're talking about on Twitter, just you know, stay away, stay away. Uh, but that's where credentialed, well-read, thoughtful people uh, on social media can be very helpful. I'm I've been blessed immensely. I mean, I can't describe. People ask me what my favorite type of music is. My reply is simply audio books. Uh, because um, my audible.com description has certainly been a massive part of learning about various things uh, in life. The ty- type of books I do on audio, I've done a lot of biographies. I've done a lot of histories. I've done a lot of histories of technology and engineering because I'm interested in those things. Um, I love to see the people that thought certain things and led certain movements in life and history. I like to see who they are, know their story as well, and you know, be inspired by others. So for me, my audible.com uh, subscription has been filled with that, and certainly I get books for my kids as well. But their libraries will allow you to check out audiobooks now, uh, so you can even do that for free. And certainly the proliferation, right, that's uh, exploding proliferation of podcasting uh, are some wonderful, wonderful opportunities for us to take up various um, audio content. I'm just going to share a few podcasts. Uh, that I like, uh, that I listen to. And now you may think I'm just listening to a bunch of sermons every week. I do. I listen to the sermons from my church. If I'm traveling on the road, I will listen to the sermons from my church. In terms of Christian podcasts, I listen to a lot of apologetics. Uh, so Ravi Zacharias, a guy named Craig, Greg Kokel, Stand to Reason, uh, Out West, uh, a guy named William Lane Craig, who's a trained philosopher. I uh, listen to his Reasonable Faith podcast, uh, as well as uh, a podcast about questions uh, called Ask Away that mainly fe- uh, features Joe and Vince Vitale. Uh, Vince is a philosopher who works for Ravi Zacharias International Ministries. His wife uh, has a Ph.D. in Women in the Old Testament. I think both their Ph.D.s were from Oxford. I like they do a practical question-asking podcast. So those are the kind of, and then I listen to the Acts 29 Church Planning Podcast when they have episodes out. Those are kind of my Christian ones. Um, and then I have several that I listen to just uh, out of personal interest and hobbies. There's one called the After On Podcast by Rob Reed, which is about kind of bleeding edge technology. So like biological engineering, artificial intelligence, all this futuristic sci-fi type stuff. Rob Reed was an author who wrote a book called After On uh, that has some crazy, crazy futuristic stuff. And now he's doing like interviews with people who are actually working in these fields. Um, I I listen to some technology podcasts uh, every week. Uh, One called The Daily Tech News Show with Tom Merritt. Love that. I listen to something called Mac OS Ken by a guy named Ken Ray on Apple stuff. And then there's a, a technology podcast called Upgrade. Uh, that I also listen to when I have time, like cutting grass. And then I do some sports podcasts, uh, the Men in Blazers about soccer, and then mainly Flow Wrestling Radio Live. I do that for amateur wrestling world. So those are kind of my podcast lineups that I'm doing. Um, and then every now and then if I have 
free time, which I usually don't. There's a a comedy podcast called Judge John Hodgman uh, from the Maximum Fun Network, which is just some random, crazy, comedic type uh, thing that you may or may not understand. Final one that comes out every four months or so is one on history, which is called Dan Carlin's Hardcore History. Um, I love this this guy. He does like these four hour well researched, very entertaining. His voice and his diction and his storytelling ability is fantastic. He's in a in a series now on kind of uh, pre World War II Japan and Japanese culture. It's fantastic. So those are kind of my podcasts. Now I don't listen to them all every week or every. Some of those are daily. I, I do. There are certain folks that are are that I put on two x so I can get through them faster. But audio content certainly is a wonderful way to be an informal learner to, today. Online reading, um, there's apps that are available on both like uh, Android as well as Apple called Flipboard, where you can look at um, curated news sources, um, Apple News as well if you use an iPhone, uh, where you can choose various categories that you're interested in to just read uh, every day. Uh, subscriptions, I subscribe to the Atlantic Monthly and the Wall Street Journal digitally so I can read on those sources. And then certainly um, one of the most important things for us is to, especially as a follower of Jesus, is to be reading the Bible, Uh, to have the story of God and the word of God speaking to you as you engage with various other things in the world helps us be discerning, helps us with the act of integrating faith and knowledge, uh, casting away things that are false, and then certainly uh, using and advocating for things going forward that are true or part of our cultural world or our creative world today. Uh, So informal learning, man, I cannot recommend it enough. There's great joy in discussing various things with people that you're reading. I do that with my children and my friends as well. We do it with you here on the underground. So stay thirsty, my friends. A few bullet points. Cultivate curiosity. When you see something you want to learn about, learn about it. Uh, ask a lot of questions. I, I I can't tell you how valuable questions have been to my my spiritual growth and my relationship with God. Uh, share with others humbly. Don't be the know-it-all at every party. And well, I've read fourteen books yesterday, and I'm here to tell you I, re- I'm, I My goal is to read fourteen books a week. What about you? You don't don't do that, right? Um, share humbly what you're learning. Use what you know to love and help others. And then we don't want to have any puff daddy knowledge freaks out there because knowledge puffs up. First Corinthians eight says this knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. If anyone imagines he is something he does not know yet as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. In our quest for learning and knowledge, we need to stay humble human beings, dependent on the creator, loving God, loving people, so that we might be more useful to his purposes in the world. Stay humble. Stay humble, my friends. Well, uh, sometimes, though, humility does have to go out the window. And for me, I'm going to, oh, yep, what's that sound? Okay, even though Pastor Jesse Fury is not here today, who is a uh, a real pastor, uh, I'm not. I'm not. I'm no longer a pastor. I'm, I'm in ministry, uh, but I'm not an elder of our church or a pastor. So usually Jesse does our take them to church uh, segment, but I'm going to have to get on this today. Uh, do some due to some interaction I've had on Twitter. So this is half take them to church segment here on the underground and half uh, rantology. 
Well, some of you, you you may know that throughout the history of Christianity, from the time of Jesus until now, there's been some debate about this wonderful meal that the church has observed for millennia called communion, the Eucharist, uh, the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Table, where uh, bread and wine uh, are, are partaken by the community of faith. Uh, to as an act of worship, right, as part of worship to God. Now, there's been debates like uh, Roman Catholic theology still holds to transubstantiation, trans change substance, that these elements, wine and bread, actually turn into body and blood of Jesus. Martin Luther, you know, wanted to stay with this is my body. That's what the New Testament says. So he he made up something called consubstantiation, that the, the body and blood of Jesus are within and under the elements. Nobody knows what that means, so don't try to figure it out. Um, Reformed tradition, Presbyterians, Dutch Reformed type folks, from Europe, uh, communicative, real presence, right? That Jesus is present, ministering grace through the uh, sacrament to his church. And then certainly many people uh, in America uh, hold that communion as some sort of symbolic mem- remembering or memorial kind of thing where we remember things through these symbols of bread uh, and the cup. I'm not going to get into that today. I'm not going to get into that, uh, solve that problem for you, but you can do some learning on it. But uh, a friend did tweet uh, today uh, or yesterday about where communion should take place. Should it be an individual thing? Should you do it in your house? Should you do it as a church together? I'm more of a communal oriented person on that question. But I'm not even going to talk about that today, whether you should do communion at your wedding or not. I'm not going to do that. But what I am going to do is take up a cause because we need friends to get change, real change into the world. See, Many churches in North America in particular have these little tiny mini plastic shot glasses of grape juice. And it's my position today, friends, that these should simply be cast out from the churches. Yes, sir, indeed. Why not have wine like Jesus taught us, but we have Welch's? Uh, Why can we not help save the oceans from the plastic? Right, friends? We need to get, I bet if you went down into the Mariana Trench in the oceans deep, you're going to find little little shot glasses that used to hold grape juice about ready to choke whales. I'm telling you, you use a star at Star- Starbucks, not anymore, friends, right? Not anymore. <laughs> Should we use these plastic cups of shot glasses of grape juice? Well, some of you may know uh, that wine was kicked out of the Lord's Supper. Uh, by a guy named Welch. Yes, Welch's grape juice was uh, commissioned by a guy named Thomas Welch, who was trying to create a non-fermented communicant wine. Well, I think we need to lead change, friends. I think we need to go back to cups of wine and loaves of Levendora, leavened bread, whatever you do with that. (sighs) But to be honest, I'm just kidding. I'm not called to lead that change. I'll be shooting small receptacles of Welch's with my family, remembering, participated in gospel reenactment, where we thank Jesus for his death for our sins, his blood of the new promise, the new deal, the new covenant with us, his resurrected life, remembering his coming kingdom, where Jesus actually said he will drink the fruit of the vine again with his family in the kingdom of heaven. That's wine, friends. Even Pentecostals and Baptists are going to be at that table. And if you reform Catholic friends out there, don't be drunk on wine for that leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. I know you like that learning there, friends. I'm about to hit out some emails while watching Barcelona Football Club smash Manchester United in the background of the Champions League. If you don't know what that is, uh, friends in Texas, that's football. I don't think we're going to lose, but I'm keeping hope alive. Keep that learning going. Keep that learning going. 
Keep that learning going. The Gospel Underground is a joint production of Power of Change and the Bonhoeffer House. Review us on iTunes, friends. Five stars are acceptable. I think we're up into double digits. I think we have 20 five-star reviews. Let's make it 30. Send your comments, feedback, and or questions or opinions about how Welch's grape juice and small shot glasses to us at info at gospelunderground.org. We are dialogue taking place in these borderlands between the church and culture. We'll see you out there. Peace. <laughs>